for just about everything for the outdoors, go to MidwayUSA.com. It's only a kick, a jump, a block, it's only a serve, it's only a tackle, a run, it's only for the fans. After all, it's only pressure. You got this. Adidas. It is a feel-good Friday. Happy Friday, April 8th, 2022. And today's episode is with Ross Bigger from the Working Class Bowhunter Podcast. All right, welcome back to the Fall Podcast. I'm your host, Aaron Blasey, today's episode is 209. And just a little bit ago, you heard me say that today's guest is Ross Bigger. Now, if anybody follows the Working Class Bowhunter Podcast or my podcast, you might chuckle a little bit because I've had everybody from the Working Class Podcast on here except Ross. And we kind of, you know, throw some banter at it and, and, uh, and joke about it a little bit, but Ross and I finally, our schedules finally lined up and we recorded and it was, it was awesome. It was. Ross is a straight up killer, man. This guy, he's killed three 200 inch deer with his bow. He killed his first one when he was 18. Um, and then it's just been an uphill grind from there. This guy is, he knows what the hell he's doing, man. This guy is, he's elite and he's a young guy. He's, he, he gets it. He knows what he's doing. This podcast, I was super excited about. Ross is a is a good cat. He's a good dude. Um, go check out if you haven't go check out the Working Class Bowhunter podcast. If you haven't heard about them, you probably haven't been into podcasts very long, or you just been living under a rock because they're the OGs in my opinion. They've been doing it for so long. I love all those guys. They're good dudes. Go check them out. Um, they put out some good stuff. Sorry about sneezed right there. They put out some good stuff, but. Yeah, so today's first ep- first Friday episode, like I said, uh, last episode is I'm, I'm going to try to do this a little bit more. I mean, it's trying to be an every week thing, but it might might not be, but I'm trying to, uh, to get more content out to everybody. So um, I want to keep it short and sweet today. I do want to say thank you, everybody out there for all the support. And I say it every week and I'm going to keep saying it until you guys are just like, dude, this guy just won't shut up, but it's redundant. I get it. But I got to remind you guys, please just go to iTunes and leave a five-star rating and a written review. Also, subscribe to the podcast and tell somebody about the podcast. I got a couple things in the works for um, some giveaways from partners. So those are going to be coming down the pipe here soon. And also, don't forget to go to the YouTube channel. I By the time this goes live, there will be the scouting video will be up from uh, the Public Land Scout. And I got some big news coming. There's some hunts coming on uh, the podcast YouTube channel that uh, nobody's seen yet. So a lot of people have been asking me where they're going to be at, and I'm just going to leave it there, but it's coming soon. So uh, check that out. Subscribe to the podcast YouTube channel and uh, hit the bell notification so you know when new podcasts are coming up. So I'm actually gearing up for turkey season. It's it's coming. I'm going to Kentucky to film here in 10 days, I think. Um, then when I get back, Michigan opens, and then we're going to be hitting it hard. So, uh, yeah, that's the game plan. Also, I mentioned the tag deadlines last podcast, and... Those are the ones that still, let me make sure I did the right ones. I know I did, but I just got to find my list here. Right now for tag deadlines, we have Kansas deer still going until April 29th. So get your tags and your applications in for Kansas deer, whitetail, and I believe mule deer. It just says deer. So April 29th, get them in. Also, Idaho moose, sheep, and goat is April 30th. And I'm going to throw one more at you. If you're interested in doing Montana moose, sheep, and goat, that is May 1st. So get those applications in now. So with that being said, we're going to get over this interview with Ross. Thank you, thank you everybody, for all the support. And here's this interview. Welcome back to the Fall Podcast. And today's guest is a long-awaited guest. 
um, you're the last one, but certainly not least. I think I'm gonna I'm gonna put it as like we're saving the best for last. And today's guest is Ross Bigard from the Working Class Bowhunter Crew. And uh, Ross, I'm sorry it's taken this long to get you on here, dude. <laughs> yeah, man, it's uh, it's been a while, but uh, shoot, our schedules just never could line up. And uh, dang, it's good to be sitting here talking with you. So. Yeah, for sure, man. It's uh, it is good. It's, I I think you guys are going through some rain right now too, aren't you? Yep, sure are. We got some uh, rainstorms right now. I mean, everything's frozen. It was freezing rain. Woke up this morning, and the the roads are sheets of ice, and it's just shitty out right now. So, dang, just seems like spring's never gonna get here. I know, dude. And I actually had this conversation with someone the other day. I was like, I would take brutal winters if I knew that the winter was gonna stop on a certain day. Like, I hate <laughs> how the winter just gets like just drawn out forever. I feel like. Yeah, it gives us just a little bit of hope and then turns around and stomps on us. For sure. Yeah, <laughs> I, I want to, you know, turkey season's coming, but I want to get out and, like, just do shit outside. I want to get out of the house, you know? That's right. Yeah, matter of fact, I just was on my way home from working, and uh, there's 12 strutters sitting out in the field about a mile from my house. Oof. On so, your property I, at all? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> oh, God. But come turkey season, they won't be there. <laughs> <laughs> How many birds can you guys kill? three really yeah three lucky sons of bitches we only kill one here is that right that's it we all can kill one i think i'm not sure if you can kill one in the spring in the fall because i've never fall turkey hunted so i don't know that for sure but in the spring we can only kill one gobbler and that sucks huh well every time i uh call in i've been starting to think about this a little bit so every time i call in a deer harvest it asks you how many bobcats you've seen, how many turkeys you've seen, all that. Yep. I uh, I always put like 400 turkeys because I'm not <laughs> I'm not lying when I see that many during a season. Uh, the, but the problem is now all of a sudden in the last few years I've been getting nonstop pictures of bobcats. So I might have shot myself in the foot. Yeah. And uh, <laughs> DNR's turning bobcats loose all over us just because of the turkey population. <laughs> They're pinging wherever your calls are coming from. Your to yeah. you know calling your harvest like this guy needs a couple bobcats in the area. <laughs> yeah, exactly. That's uh, funny. Anyway. Yeah. Well, hey man, I appreciate you coming on and doing this. Like I said, I've ran. I feel like a feel like a bad person i've ran all the way through the working class bow hunter guys and you're the last one and uh but hey saving ah, the best for last so <laughs> well i appreciate it but no it's just uh how it's all worked out no big deal yeah so i guess first right off the rip like kind of give everybody that you know that little pitch of like who you are you know where you come from and what you do for a living yeah all right well uh let's see i was born and raised on a farm in illinois uh raising corn and beans and cattle um, kind of, I think I was 14 and hanging out with my uncle and my cousin and they were shooting bows in the backyard. They were a little older than I was. So they, they were shooting bows in the backyard and, um, my cousin ended up getting a new bow and I liked it. I thought, man, that'd be cool. I'd love to have a bow and start doing that. And he ended up giving me his, uh, fur, uh, Fred bear first strike. So I think I was 14 years old and I, I was pretty sure it was like a 30 inch draw <laughs> and, but it felt like 40 when I was pulling right. it back. <laughs> no let off or nothing. There's no back wall. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I had like this old pendulum sight on it, which oh, was yeah. pretty sweet. Yep. Uh, anyway, that aluminum arrows, the whole nine. So I had, uh, that kind of, I got into it. I, and then I'd never been in a tree stand before, but I love building wood projects. So I built my own wooden ladder stand. And I uh, had my dad help me haul it out on a hay rack behind the truck, and we he stood it up with me. And um, I sat in there. It was my second night sitting in that stand and had a great big, great big, uh, he was a monster, um, come right underneath me. And I didn't know what I was doing. Stood, I didn't stand up. I just tried to shoot sitting down. And yep. I had the string pulled back clear behind my ear and just let it eat and missed him. So... At that point, I was like, you know what? I, 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 I know I can get myself close to a big one. Sure. I just got to get this figured out. And then uh, I ended up shooting like a little basket rack eight. And then after that, shot another little basket rack. And then the next year, I got a little bit bigger and just kind of kept working my way into it. But um, that was on the archery side. I mean, my dad started me as a kid with a shotgun, uh, but my dad, dad was never a, 
uh, archery hunter. So I kind of just dove off onto that on my own. Um, but anyways, that's where, uh, that's kind of how it started evolving for me. Yep. And yeah. Did you get into, so after that first, like first, that second sit there and you saw this giant, when you shot your first deer, your little basket rack, were you at all disappointed as like, man, I know there's bigger deer out here. Was there ground shrinkage at all? Like how did that play out? Not at all for me. I mean, he was a monster and I was all shook up and thought, you know, after that I was heartbroken that he just ran away, but my heart pounded for an hour afterwards. I was so revved up. And then, uh, but no, I, I went to farm King. I bought a little bottle of, uh, tanks number one dopey oh sure and i (laughs) i sprinkled that on a little branch out in front of my stand and no kidding this little buck the first one i shot he just come cruising through and i mean like stopped on a dime stuck his nose right to that branch and i shot him and no uh, kidding i'd never been so excited uh you know i I had killed one with a shotgun a nice little eight pointer and then uh but shooting one with a bow it was like i can't believe i just did it that was, I put a plan together and it happened. So would and, you say, uh, would you say at that point it was like, this is like, it consumed you like all year, all the time, like hunting? Absolutely. That was the beginning of the end of my love for gun hunting, I guess. Yep. yep. Um, not to, not to rule it out, but it just, cause it has its own, everybody, we can talk all about that a whole another time, but yeah. <laughs> uh, you know, it has its own flavor. Um, but I, I basically just started craving the archery stuff and, and hunting with a bow. So, um, yeah, that's that's kind of – but, no, there was no disappointment whatsoever. And I, for, that was my first blood trail I ever went on by myself, crawling around my hands and knees looking for blood yep. and got right up. I mean, I was five feet away from the thing before I saw it. <laughs> but Now, who was, like, your mentors, like, you know, you're probably your dad and your uncle, like you talked about, but was there any other guys that you really looked up to that you were trying to like learn more from, whether it be a magazine or like, you know, real tree videos or something? Did you have another mentor that might not have been your dad or uncles that really helped you out in the learning curve? You know, there's a couple guys around that were, uh, older guys that had been hunting for a long time. And, and, uh, you know, they, I, I, soaked up some information from them just kind of telling them what i saw and then they you know it it wasn't a a lot but it was just they saw that i was excited so they were you know we'd have something to talk about but at that point i really didn't know anything about patterning a deer calling deer you know uh at that point there was no trail cameras at all so it was just just being in the woods uh, with your stick and string and and uh hunting hunting deer so when you were when you were young like that was it like did you find yourself only hunting like field edges or were you like moving and grooving getting in or was it like one stand i'm gonna sit this one and we're gonna wait till a big one walks by like how did that look okay i probably uh i guess all i started when i was 11 or 12 uh running grain cart for my dad uh he was in the combine i was always in the grain cart and every fall, you know, there was always that and shotgun hunting too. But the combination between the two, whenever you'd see a big monster, I was just pinning that in my head. Like, yep, this, this is a good spot. So then I'd take my little homemade ladder stands out and, and uh, set them up, you know, somewhere close to that. No idea about wind or scent or anything. Just just getting out there and putting myself where I saw a big boy at right. some point. But, and uh just to answer back on any magazines or DVDs, I was always hardcore real tree guys. I mean, the Bill Jordan and Mike Waddell and Blanton and T-Bone, all those guys. I've watched all those growing up. But Yep. All right, I'm going to pause this interview real quick to pay the bills. That's what I've got to do. But also, not only pay the bills, but just because I love this company and all the companies that I work with, that everything really does work. This week, Helix Broadheads. I love these broadheads. Everybody knows that. You measure your recovery in seconds with these broadheads. And if you go to helixbroadheads.com, go check out all the options they have. They have 100 grain Helix, 125s, 150s, 175s, 200s, 225s. They have an AX, 
HX Pro Sharpener kit that I highlighted last episode. And they also have some swag out there. They got some hoodies and t-shirts. So go check those out. Like I said, at helixbroadheads.com. Yeah, that's what I that's why I always wondered, you know, guys like, you know, I, I just kind of refer to myself as, you know, my dad had me hunting like he would take me bow hunting with him when I was eight years old. I couldn't hunt yet, but he would always set up a stand in the tree next to him, strap me in with a seatbelt because there was no safety harnesses right? at the time, you know, so he'd strap me in in the seatbelt. And, yep. you know, he'd take me up in the tree and I I saw him kill some bucks with a bow before I could even hunt. And that was like, I don't know how much, like I've even asked him before, like, you know, back in the day, even before I was born, like, what was like, what was your tactics? He's like, we didn't know about the rut. We knew that the deer did weird things at this certain time, but he's like, right. there was nothing back then that was like, you know that told us it was the rut other than deer were chasing deer playing, you know what I mean? And that yeah. was way back in like the sixties and seventies. But, um, I guess I grew up as like a one stand hunting guy, like over a bait pile. Cause that's what Michigan people do. It was just like bait and you go to this stand and this is your stand. So, uh, it really was like later in, like when I got into college and stuff and watched more videos, read more magazines. Let's be honest. I didn't read a lot of magazines. I don't like to read. So, but anyway, right. you know what I'm talking about? Like where I really started kind of like, man, I need to branch out a little bit. I need to move. Like I need to see different trees. So yeah. that's, that's what like, it kind of sparks my interest to like other guys like yourself. Like how did that transition work you driving grain cart i mean you're seeing deer run out of cornfields and bean fields or you know chasing all over when you're harvesting like all the time i could imagine so that's like bird eye in the sky <laughs> like that's some great yep. intel right there you know right yep what was some of the and craziest things you've ever seen i guess from a from a combine or a tractor or something like that if, that you remember oh i'll tell you i that combine will put you to sleep so even younger yet before i got to run the grain cart i always rode in the buddy seat next to my dad yep and me and my th my two brothers so the three of us are all cashed out in the combine and uh clear at one end uh the bean field big long bean field and uh matter of fact this is one of my now you know current hot spots but i'll never forget banging my head against the glass when dad hit the brakes to pull his binoculars <laughs> out actually it wasn't his binoculars because he never has binoculars he had a he always has his old trusty 22 250 <laughs> and uh for shooting coyotes him he, i've watched him roll a bunch of coyotes out yep. of the combine so he stops the combine i bang my head on the glass i wake up from my nap and there's this monster the sun's setting behind us and the, it's just glowing this giant whitetail up clear at the other end of the field and i mean that's still engraved in my head. Like that, that deer was a mega. Yeah. And uh, I mean, I, I can't tell you what he would have scored or anything like that. I just remember burn, having that burned into my memory of that was a big deer. Yep. So, Man, I, I can, uh, I can remember one of the first years I went out of state to hunt, uh, sitting over like a big cornfield. It was cut. It was a, it was a standing cornfield where they were cutting it the night that I was hunting it. And dude, it was unreal. Those deer would bay up and just wait for like the last two swaths, and then yep. they'd come out like ants, dude. It was crazy. Like you know, you'd 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 see deer like spurt out, you know, here and there, but it, there there was a gaggle of deer in this like two swaths, and I'm like, there's got to be deer in there, and they just freaking like thirty deer run out, and I'm like, holy crap, just monsters, <laughs> and it's like, whoa, you know? Yep, that's crazy. Yep. So I shot my first rabbit that way. I climbed really? down out of the combine with the last <laughs> 25 foot of corn standing in eight rows. And I had the little single shot 410 and I went walking up there and no kidding. There was a, a pheasant, a coyote, a rabbit and a, and a doe all ran out of this thing. And the rabbit come running around right in front of me, like six feet. And I didn't know any better. And I just cocked that thing and boom, <laughs> That's awesome. wasn't much left of it but i got my first rabbit <laughs> there you go when when was the the moment like how old were you and what was the instance if you remember when you were like i'm starting to get it now like as hunting goes like was it a kill that you had with a deer or something like that's where like things are starting to click you know what i mean yeah um man i'd have to say it was uh 
home kind of looking around here thinking i think it was uh i, I shot my first big white tail um with a shotgun and uh it was the year two years after that um i ended up rattling in grunting rattling i bought all the uh mad um game grunt calls, calls yep, and yep. All, all the game calls and i had the uh boss buck decoy and i had all the works um i think i was 16 years old at that point okay and i grunted and rattled and, and called in this deer and he's He's probably 125 inch, but he's got tall tines, just spindly. Mm-hmm. And uh, he come in and was all postured up and raking trees. And I ended up shooting that deer. And I, that, that was actually the spark, I guess. Uh, and I got that deer mounted, and I still, I still love every bit of that hunt. It was so cool. And but that was a spark for me. I mean, I realized I could, I can call it deer and get him to come in and watch him act like big old black Angus bulls ready to fight each other. And yep. It, just the neatest stuff. So yep. I guess that was probably the spark. I got gotcha. you. When was the time when you were like, okay, these old ladder stands are just not cutting it. I need to use like a lock on or something like that. Like when did you really start getting serious into, you know, maybe mobile hunting, but even like just setting stands as far as like lock ons and getting rid of the, the homemade stuff. It would have been around that 16, 17 mark. Um, yep. I was, working on the farm and mowing yards on the side and I'd get my savings account built up and I always blew all my money on motocross growing up. <laughs> and, uh, then this hunting thing really started getting my attention. So I stopped spending money on a dirt bike and started saving up to buy a ladder stand. And I got my first, uh, new bow. So I bought, I think I had a, Oh dang. Now I can't remember the name of that thing. It was like a knockoff of a Hoyt, like the reflex or a, I don't, I don't remember what it was, but okay. it was, uh, I, don't, I cannot remember. I'd have to look at old pictures to figure out what it was. But um, then I bought a Matthews DXT, and then I really I thought I was, you know, like a American sniper at that. What point. a bow, though, see. man! That bow was like legit. I love that bow. <laughs> oh yeah, and it, you know it's, that was a lot of money at the time. I think I spent like seven or eight hundred dollars to get yep. that bow all, all done up. And at that time, shoot, that about cleaned me out. So yep. that's a lot of money. So I I thought, and that bow lasted me a long time i shot that for probably five or six years straight mm-hmm. so but, i got gotcha. uh, was your dad pretty like pretty hardcore bow hunter or no? no 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 not not at all he never never did bow hunt um he just got me into the hunting with the shotgun so i got gotcha. you so i want to address the elephant in the room if everybody doesn't really know or maybe does know like who you are through the working class and everything, you're an absolute killer. I'm just going to be the first one to say that you are. I, I personally look up to you from like, I started listening to the working class. I don't know, four or five years ago, probably Eh, I've had my podcast four years. So it was just before that. It's like, you know, five years ago, let's call it. And when I started learning about you and like Austin and the other guys as well, but for some reason, like you guys, I don't know, man, you do things at a different level and it's, it shows, I mean, you've got three, 200 inch deer, right? Three, or do you have more than that? I have three. (laughs) (laughs) I know you're a, you're a humble killer and that's what I love about you. But the thing is, is like you have a knack for doing, you know, for big whitetails and, and, uh, I want to, I want to get into that. I want to transition to that a little bit if you, if you're good with it. Yeah. Yep. So I guess the first First thing is, like, when did you first kill your first, like, giant, doesn't have to be the 200-inch deer, but, like, first big, big deer with a bow? Are you guys looking for a new tree stand this year? If you are, look no further than Novix Outdoors. Go to novixoutdoors.com to check out the tree stands that they offer. Now, I've been throwing a lot of light on the Hilo, but they offer an Echo hang-on tree stand as well. Now, this tree stand can be a mobile tree stand, but for me... It's not a mobile tree stand. It's just a little too bulky for me. That's not a bad thing because I do have an Echo. But what I prefer in a mobile setup is small, ergonomic. I'm not a big guy, and I want something that's not very wide, and I just need to be able to stand on a platform, and it's got to be comfortable and light and easy to hang. But this Echo is going to be one of my main setups for my just my standard setups I'm going to set up you know, before the season. 
This thing is awesome. Its total weight is 11.5 pounds. The weight rating is 300 pounds. It's a cast aluminum platform and seat. It comes with two cam buckle straps and two backpack straps. You can also get the stick quiver for this one as well. And the seat cushion comes with it. This thing's a really nice tree stand. It is. It is just a little bigger than the Hilo. So the, the platform measures 30 inches by 19 and a half which makes it roomy uh, for like all day sets. This would be a badass all day set tree stand, but this thing is awesome. It's comfortable. So go to novixoutdoors.com and check those out. Oh boy. That would have been a uh, matter of fact that I've shot two really good ones before. Uh, so like two really good ones. Like I think one was 145 and one was 150. Yep. Um, and then, uh, and then I killed, uh, yeah, I'm sorry. It was just a 145. So I killed my 145 and then, um, I guess I was, was 18 years old and then I killed my first 200. Uh, I had no 18? idea what he was. Yeah. Holy shit, but, dude. You had to be the big man on campus. Well, I didn't, uh, I had no idea what he was and I went in and set up on him four days prior, not knowing that he was there i had a blurry picture but he's so tight racked and and just heavy horned there was just like a blur because he's you know old trail cameras and just moving in front of it and i could tell it was a big big buck but had no idea and um went in i set up and these i it was like 2 45 3 o'clock in the afternoon it was a hanging hunt i was in a climber and um so I got up my climber. I was waiting. All of a sudden, these four does just come flying up out of this ravine right to me up the trail. And they just stopped right underneath the stand and just waited. And I waited like 25 minutes. Two of them laid down. The other two were eating. And I thought, you know what? It's early enough. There's obviously not a buck behind them. I'm just going to go ahead and shoot one of these does, and I'll sit the rest of the night. Mm-hmm. This was November This was November 3rd. Okay, so so, so just no, to preface no this, what's that? Oh, yeah, no, said, no territory. No, no territory. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I get it. But just to kind of go back, like you you didn't know anything about this deer other than one blurry picture you had of him then. Yep, and the neighbor okay. had said he saw some, you know, 16 or 18 or 22-point deer or something. Okay. Um, so I knew there was something, and I hadn't hunted back in there much, so – Anyways, uh, shoot this doe. She runs up, falls over. The other does run up with her, looking around like, what was that? And then, uh, yeah, I looked down the trail. I heard something ca- caught in the corner of my eye, and this dude's looking straight up at me. No way. Like 30 yards away, just staring staring a hole right through me. I'm like, oh, and he turns and runs up the hill to chase the does. And he was coming right up the same trail if I had just known any better, and that was part of the learning curve. But you don't shoot a doe on November 3rd because they're, <laughs> I mean, dang. Unless you're tagged uh, out. <laughs> right, right. So anyways, but no, he, he come, he, of course, when a big buck or any buck or doe uh, takes off running and runs away from something that they're scared of and they're running through the timber and they turn around and look back and they stop, uh, it's very rare that you can get them to pinpoint you again. If you're holding still, mm-hmm. they don't know where, where exactly it was, but he did that and was looking right back towards my direction and couldn't find me and then ended up just trotting off. So four days later, I went in and uh, ended up moving on down into the draw where he had come from. And uh, he ended up coming back, coming through, following a doe. It was the coolest thing because he'd let that doe lead him by like 45 yards. He wouldn't get anywhere close to her. Really? She just yeah. wasn't allowing it? No, he, he he knew what he was doing. She was just milling around eating and working her way to the next uh, standing cornfield. Yep. And, yeah, she just had her head down and dinking around and working her way that direction, and he stood there like a statue just scanning. And one of the coolest things I've ever got to watch a deer for about 40 minutes straight at 45 yards working his way to me, eye level because I was on one side of the ravine, he was on the other, and there's a pretty good ditch between us. He's just slowly walking. So I, you know, everybody knows you get a big buck coming at you. It's like your heart's pounding so much. And then, oh, you, yeah. then you see you get yourself calm down. It's like, all right, just settle down. You got to make the shot. We got this. And he's just standing there. He takes one step and you're like, oh, shit, here he comes. Yeah, <laughs> exactly. Right <laughs> <laughs> so I played that game for 40 minutes straight. I was exhausted, but he ended up coming down and uh, I shot him and 
we uh i hit him i was it was like straight down shot and i didn't get a pass through saying it was like just off his spine and straight down through him double lunged him but he ended up getting up like no blood trail because it didn't get a pass through he mm -hmm. just filled up with blood so anyway we ended up letting him go until the next morning and went and found him but that was my that was my first one he went 217 and six eights jeez dude how many scoreable did he have 17 wow and he had uh eight inch bases on him Woof. <laughs> yeah, it's, it's it's a big old mass of antlers i'm telling you it's he's tight racked he's not i mean from a distance you couldn't really tell i just saw a wall of antlers he had and, to have uh, over 50 inches of mass yeah i think he did i i don't i don't remember exactly what it was but um i think his spread was only like 14 inches 14 and Man, a half that's nuts but, dude but he's got like a rack inside a rack if that makes any sense yeah. he's got tines just going everywhere so when you walk up on this deer i mean do you know how big he is at the time i mean you're 18 years old no i had three of my buddies with me when we recovered him and they were all hooting and hollering and i mean it was we had video camera and uh you know the video on the recovery and man we got down he fell he so he's on an old dozer road following this creek and rolled off of it and landed on a rock bed like one huge slab of a rock in the in the bottom of this creek and uh didn't bust his horn he fell like eight feet when Oof. he died you could see him flop down and land right on all these rocks he didn't bust any antlers off so that was good yeah but you could tell i mean it, uh, walking up there i could just the mass just kept getting bigger and bigger i'm like holy smokes this is a this is a big deer yeah and uh ended up having him uh, officially scored pope and young score uh he was with scentlock at the time but he was hunting with one of my buddies and he put him in the Pope and Young books. Um, at right at two eleven is where he's where he's at official score. Jeez, man. So that's crazy. Out of all, yeah. It's so that kind of that got me wound up. Now, if you back up to the beginning of this, when I said that deer, that big old monster that I missed with my bow and sitting in a ladder, old wooden ladder yep, stand. Yep. I swear. So that would have been at age fifteen. I would have been age 15. Thinking about it hard enough, this 217 had the exact same shaped rack, just less tines. Mm -hmm. And in, in my head, I just want to tell myself, I miss that deer, and this is this is him. And I missed him for a reason. I finally got caught up to him. God, what but, if that is the case, though? What if that – that's wild. Like, did you ever get him aged? No, I did not get him aged at the time. That, like, say, is another thing I just didn't know about. Right, you wouldn't it have known just, about that. I didn't do that until like four or five years ago. <laughs> you know, right? So it's it's you know we we learn and evolve as we stay in this and right. are involved with it. But yeah, wild. So, so you had to bend like big smoker on uh, campus there. Like you, like everybody in town had to know about you. Then after that, well, it, yeah, there was a few started talking, but it's. I was like, say, I was 18, so we were in high school. Yeah. Um, kind of felt like, uh, you, you know, you have your high school buddies, they're deer hunting, you're deer hunting, and everybody's trying to outdo each other. Oh, yeah. It's all competition because you're all pumped up. And anyway, uh, <laughs> we, yeah, I mean, it was, it was cool. I got a lot of, a lot of buddies, congratulations on it and all that, but still didn't really know what he, what he scored, but until later on, but he mm -hmm. was just a big buck so so after you shoot this deer obviously the bug has bitten you even harder and you're probably hunting like crazy like what did you what what, what did the next couple of years how they pan out for you were you still killing bucks or um you know good bucks like how did that work out guys i know you're getting tax return money if you haven't already this would be a good thing to buy with that and maybe not very smart but to me it's a good thing exodus trail cams go check these things out Exodus Advantage, five-year no BS warranty and five-year theft and damage covery. I, coverage. I don't know of any other trail cam that, that offers a five-year warranty on it. So to me, that's like the best in the industry. If you go to Exodus right now and you sign up for their newsletter, first-time customers save big. Also, go check out their YouTube channel. They have three podcasts and they put out content all the time and it's it's awesome content they've got the trail cam radio podcast they've got the land podcast and then they got the deer gear podcast so go check all those out these guys their company is awesome their people are even better 
and their customer service is second to none. Go check out Exodus at exodusoutdoorgear.com. So let's see. And to back up just a second, I do, I'm do. i looking at a deer on the wall now I forgot about. Before I killed this 217, I shot a 171 with my shotgun uh, <laughs> the year before. So, uh, but, but that, and I, that was a noon kill. So that got me going on the whole high noon hunt thing. And I've been on that before, uh, talking about it, but I, I like, I've killed, I don't know, six or seven deer on the wall, uh, around that noon hour. Really? Uh, yeah. I guess there's five, five on the wall that I've killed during the noon hour, but, um, but yeah, so then I went on after him the next year. Uh, so I got bit by the bug with the bow pretty hard and uh, hunted hard. Past started passing deer. Uh, that was weird. I hadn't done that much. <laughs> so what made but, you? What what told you to pass deer? Was it just like I want to kill something really big, or like how did that? Yeah, work? well, it would have it would have been easy for me to pull the trigger on you know a, a really a nice buck that come by but I had already seen some really big ones running around. Mm -hmm. So I was like, you know, I know the big ones are out there. Now I've kind of set up a bar for myself. I think I need to kill another big one. And, uh, so that's why I kind of just waited, but, um, I ended up shooting one. I was, that was probably the, uh, kind of sad to say, but I think that was the last year. My, my two brothers, myself and my dad all hunted shotgun season together. Um, and, they've kind of tapered off and not really hunted much. Everybody's been busy and getting married, having kids and everything. So we've kind of like split away from the whole gun thing and, uh, which kind of sucks, but I ended up shooting a 145, 144, something like that, mm -hmm. uh, the year after. And then the following year after that was a 163 with my bow. I killed him at like 10 feet. He walked right underneath me on a trail. Um, Anyway, so I, I kind of started getting on a roll there for a little bit, and then it totally fell off, and I started passing deer and passing more deer and uh, hunted well, this one deer that I named Oscar, and you've heard about Oscar yep. before, I think. Yep. But, so started letting him go, and this was the, it would have been 2012. Um, 2011, my buddy and I both had trail cam pictures of this deer, with a great big unicorn point on him. And uh, he named him the feedlot monster. Um, and then I ended up getting on him the next year. It was late that season. It was January 5th, I think. Um, getting close to him, trying to put a move on him and couldn't get him couldn't get him shot uh, with a bow. And uh, so I let him go. And the next year he showed up again and he had that same unicorn point. And I named him Showtime at that point. And... Um, Anyways, just start hunting that deer. That that by far, I've never hunted a deer near as hard as I hunted for Showtime. It really? Was, yeah, I'll tell you what. I, I had six encounters with that deer and 150 trail cam pictures of him. And never never could find his sheds. And I've, I fine-toothed combed the whole property and never did find them. But, um, you know, that's when I guess that was the big flip on me trying to figure out a deer and how to get ahead of him, get him patterned and, and hopefully shoot him. So I had him five times, uh, encounters with a bow. And, uh, the sixth time, I guess you can call it an encounter. I saw him from clear across the field, uh, would have been first muzzleloader, second shotgun season in Illinois, which is first muzzleloader. And I saw him clear across the field. Uh, eating with a whole bunch of does and I said well tomorrow night if you're gonna if you do that again I'm gonna I'm gonna be there well like say I thought I was patterning him the whole season and I'd go where he was and then he'd be somewhere else and you know just trying to get this whole thing figured out right well come to find out he actually had me patterned so I, he was smart enough I'm pretty confident he had me figured out before I thought I had him figured out so I uh that next night I didn't, I did something off the wall and I parked in a totally different spot and accessed the property from a totally different area with a good wind and everything. And, uh, went into a spot where I hadn't been before and I sat down in the fence row and waited on him to come out. And he, that was the first time all season that he repeated himself and he came out of the exact same spot and I shot him at uh, 185 yards with a muzzleloader. Dude. 
So, so you're thinking he had you patterned because when he did, you know, he repeated himself. He had not done that. So he, you were thinking, you know, yep. he didn't repeat himself before because he had you pinned because you were, that's, you were that's a chess move saying. behind him. Exactly. He, he, he was watching me walk in. He knew I'd pull in and park in the same spot. Yep. I'd walk in the same way, no matter what stand I'm going to, I got to cross this big open field so he could just watch me from his bed and know that, okay, he's over in that stand tonight. I'm going to come out, come out over here and get the wind in my face and stay clear away from him. Yeah. So, you yeah. know, you know, it's those little things like you saying, like, I just parked in a different spot. Like it's those little things that sometimes you don't think about that make the difference, you know? Yeah. And I feel like, I always feel like there's a game within the game. If that makes sense, like there's always these little nuances when it, when hunt season comes around, like it is literally, I feel like playing chess or checkers, like it, you got to make the right move. And, you know, sometimes these deer, they don't tolerate a lot of stuff. And if you make the wrong move, it might be the only time you ever see them. Right. You know, yep. that's crazy. That's, that's really cool. And I'm sure that that taught you a lot. It really did. And I mean, it's, so now what that's done to me. So, well, we kind of talked before you and I on the phone before, and we've talked about how we think we're really serious bow hunters. Like, you know, yes. when you're yep. 17 years old or you're 18 years old, or you, you know, Hey man, I'm hunting really hard. I'm hanging stands. I'm running cameras. Um, I'm out here all the time. I'm mowing around the field edges, pruning stands, you know, just I'm here. I'm putting in the work. Right. Right. Well, over time I've learned to stay away from that. And then you're more of a, like, single trip in just i mean you can call it however you want to call it but it's instead of going in there and spending so much time those deer know you're there and they're the big ones especially uh that one slip up and they got you pinned and they'll they're more than likely you get one or two chances again might not even know you got them but that's you had your opportunity again and then you just blew him out he's gone and he's over on the neighbors or he's yep. over doing something else yeah so Cause you'll have deer that just, you got them on trail camera and you can go check that camera religiously and shoot. I got him on there four times this week and last week and the week before, but then you go in and hunt him and you never see him. Yep. I mean, I, it's just, it's kind of tough, but as you guys, as I've kind of, uh, learned more and stayed at it, that's what I've kind of started to move towards is less, less time in the timber. If you can believe that or not, just, and, and I can do that on property that I've been fortunate enough to grow up on, you know, family property where, you know, where the hot spots are and when, and you know, the barometer, the wind temperature, the, the temperature, the wind speed direction, all that. Yeah. Uh, I, I make couldn't move when, when it counts the most. Yep. I couldn't agree more, man. I mean, we're, we're my farm country. I call it my, where I hunt my farm country deer, uh, is where I built my house. So I, I, am living here gonna be living here now so uh i get to scout from my house all the time which is huge like that's I, awesome i love that you know and i've said it before as well like i actually heard andy may say it you know a couple years ago like he does more time behind the glass and scouting from a distance than hunting and i was like at the time i was like that doesn't make sense like i feel like i need to be in the timber like i need to be learning right. and you do there's times for it you do but um, I've been such a more successful hunter staying the hell out, <laughs> you or know out what I mean? Fringes or yes. from a distance. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. And, um, it's, uh, I actually, you know, back when I was in college and, you know, cut, like getting into the outdoor industry, filming and stuff like that, I was like bitten with the bug of like, let's pick a deer out. Let's try to kill him. Let's, let's find this deer. Let's figure him out. Honestly, man, I've worked away from that since, uh, since like 2018, 19. Um, I like killing deer that I don't even know are there. Uh, that's, that's pretty cool. I love that's it. cool. Cause I think that's where, um, that's where you and I differ because I, I, I get so wound up and, and, and so, uh, dedicated to killing one deer that you get all your eggs in one basket or two baskets, wherever you want, depending on the deer you're hunting. Yep. I like having a history with them. Even if they're a 96 inch deer, an old dog with one side, or uh, you know, just a scrub buck, old eight, you know, seven, six, seven year old deer that yep. you've had pictures of forever, and you finally get the opportunity and and have that 
face to face with him. I mean that that's what I I really like. But I'm not gonna say anything against having a giant come in that you had no idea was there, which is I've had those too. And that's, that's awesome feeling too. Yeah. And don't get me wrong. Like there's deer, like I still run cameras. And if I, I just try not to get too emotionally attached because when I do, I'm a type of person that like the expectations go through the roof. So like when it doesn't, when I don't capitalize or it doesn't work out the way I want it, it is crushing. So that's right. I try to find that happy medium. You know what I mean? So like the deer I killed in, in Michigan this year, I've had two years of history with them. Um, I, I mean, I filmed them putting the roof on my house this year. I filmed them in the beans behind my house every night. Like if I could have hunted him in velvet, I would have killed him, you know, yeah. just about every night. And I'm like, this is cool. But then I lost track of them from like October. I can't remember the exact date, but I got a picture of them. You know, like the last picture I got, I think was October 11th. It was a nighttime picture. And then he just went MIA and then he's gone. And uh, one morning I took my daughter to school and I'm driving around the section and all of a sudden it's November, uh, it'd be November 1st. I think it was November 1st. Yeah, it was two days before I killed him. There he is pinned down with a doe. And I'm like, where the hell have you been the last 25 days or whatever, right. you know? And he had a three-day window that he was on my farm and I capitalized two days later. So, Dang. you know, and, and trust me, man, like, the whole story with that deer is crazy, but like there is, I'm getting chills right now talking about it because there is like some gratif like big gratification of like, I have history with this deer and I was able to make it happen. I've done it in a couple of deer, but it is so hard to do. It, it is, is and so I'll, hard. I agree with you on, you got to find the happy medium between both. You can get your heart set on one specific deer, but man, don't let it tear you apart. I've, I mean, that Oscar deer, I still cry about that one. I'm so happy for Bill Moretti to get him, get him shot. It worked out awesome for him. I just, it, it, I've, that was a maturing thing for myself too, though. I mean, you you can't, no deer is anybody's deer. Uh, no matter how much history you have and passing him, I passed him for three years straight. And it's just crazy to, to watch that deer grow. And then I, he hit my scrape, uh, my mock scrape that morning and i was in there at noon hoping he would be you know in the area or close by and he ended up getting shot about 300 yards away from me yeah so it's and then my heart was just shot oh it is dude i've been there i've been there yeah (laughs) and and yeah anyways it's uh it's it's you're, you're right though it's it's uh it's crazy how attached we get to these animals and I think trail cams don't help it. I think trail cams, um, you hear it a lot of guys say it. Like, I feel like it, it gives hunters ownership uh, over a whitetail or something like that. And I've fallen victim mm-hmm. to it. You know, it's like, fuck, like the neighbor yep. killed him. You know what I mean? Like now, I, I don't know if it's because I've got a little more mature or whatnot, but like, I'm actually genuinely happy for that neighbor. Right. Um, and that's something I wanted to ask you too. And, you know, <sighs> I don't know what your goals are in life as far as like hunting and stuff like that, but you've, you've been able to accomplish something that not a lot of people, I mean, a fraction of people have done. You've killed three deer over 200 inches. Um, I mean, a fraction of people even get to see a deer that big, but the question I have for you is, um, you know, my 200 inch deer, which would have been the great hand being always scored 186. Like what I'm saying is like, that's my 200 inch deer. He's like, that's a deer of a lifetime. Um, like after I killed that deer coming into the next season, I was almost like, I've accomplished my ultimate goal. Like now everything is just icing on the cake. And I could almost feel like, the self-inflicted pressure or stress that I put in myself because I'm a competitive person only against myself, not against like, you know, I'm not trying to beat out Ross bigger at like killing the bigger deer, nothing like that. But like, I almost felt that like taking it down a few notches, like it's okay. Like, you know, let's go try some, try this, try this. If I don't kill him, like, that's fine. Like, it's cool. I would have never said that before. Because I'm trying right. to strive for this goal. So now you do, you know, killing three 200 inch deer. Do you have that feeling at all? 
Eating better is easy with Factors' delicious, ready-to-eat meals. Every fresh, never-frozen meal is chef-crafted, dietitian approved and ready to go in just two minutes, including Calorie Smart, Protein Plus, which is the one I like, and Keto. Get started today and get after your goals. Discover a wide variety of easy options for the entire day, like breakfast, midday bites, and more. No prep, no mess meals. Factor meals are ready to heat and eat so there's no prepping, cooking, or cleanup needed. Sign up and save. We've done the math. Factor is less expensive than takeout, and every meal is dietitian approved to be nutritious and delicious. Head to factormeals.com slash waypointpod50 and use the code waypointpod50 to get 50% off. That's waypointpod50 at factormeals.com slash waypointpod50 to get 50% off. After years of fine print contracts and getting ripped off by overpriced wireless providers, if we've learned anything, it's that there's always a catch. So when I heard that Mint Mobile wireless plans are $15 a month when you purchase a three-month plan, I thought, what's the catch? But after talking to them, it all made sense. There isn't one. Mint Mobile's secret sauce is that they sell wireless service online. They cut out the cost of retail stores and pass those sweet savings directly to you. To get this new customer offer and your new three-month unlimited wireless plan for just 15 bucks a month, go to mintmobile.com waypoint. That's mintmobile.com waypoint. Cut your wireless bill to 15 bucks a month at mintmobile.com waypoint. Additional taxes, fees, and restrictions apply. See Mint Mobile for details. So I like to shoot big deer. Uh, I like to, I like to try and so I don't know. I'm torn. I know exactly what you're saying. Yes. And there's some days which my business takes consumes a lot of my time. Mm -hmm. uh, And I have to make that first priority um, over hunting. So, because I've got a family to take care of and a lot of stuff to pay for. The bank one's paid back, I, right. I guess. <laughs> so, <laughs> um, so that, you know, that takes priority. So I've got to do that and what my commitments there. And then when I get a chance to, I try to just make the moves and go out there and enjoy being in the timber. Uh, I used to film a lot. I've backed clear away from that. I uh, just started taking away from the enjoyment of being in the tree. Um, still do it. Um, me and Austin get together and film each other. I mean, it's, it's still fun. I, I enjoy it, but I've, it's taken a lot of pressure off and just being able to sit in the tree and enjoy the hunt. Sure. And if I can feel like I'm in the right spot and get on a big one, then I'll make my moves and do it. Um, but like you said, it's, it's like, Hey, if this works, I'm going to try this crazy plan. Uh, if it works, it works. If it doesn't, I'm not going to go home crying. Yep. Um, and, but then I, I don't know, there's another, uh, another part of me is just, I want to hunt for age, so not necessarily size. Um, so I like to go after just the oldest buck that I can, that I have on camera. Uh, it's still very, very exciting. It's still the hunt and killing the deer you're after. Um, that's where I'm at, I guess, is I, yep. uh, and now it's become a game of trying to, and I, I had a wife, uh, a buddy's wife, we were out on a uh, double date, I don't know, years ago. And she's like, so what's the big deal? Is it like some masculine thing to go out there and just kill, like who killed the biggest buck? I don't get it. It's just a, a guy thing. And I'm like, no, no. I said, I, I honestly believe it's just the game of trying to outsmart the smartest animal in the woods. Just going out there and trying to put your chess game together and outsmart him mm-hmm. and shoot him, whether he's, I mean, I'm not talking score. I'm just talking get on a deer and try to outsmart him. That's that's the fun in it. Yeah. So, uh, anyway, that no, that makes sense because, um, and I th- I think what you, what you, if I'm gathering right, I think you have like there's days that you get that sense of like, yeah, yeah, you know, like, I'm I'm good. I'm good just being here. Like, let's go out and try something. And like I get, but yeah, don't get me wrong. When I get in a chess match of a deer or get a deer and. Uh, that I want to go after, you know, see a deer from the stand that I have no idea was there. It's like, okay, then it amplifies. It's like, all right, you know, we're ready. Yep. But like, I don't know, man. I just, um, I don't know. I, the pressure, I don't know why, like this pressure, like it was almost like the monkey is off my back. Like I accomplished it. Like, 
now I want to just like go try different things. Like I've never hunted public land. Like I really, I would have never, ever hunted public land before this, you know, Iowa trip happened to me. And then I killed this deer and then, but honestly, I can tell you there's been a theme, um, since, since that deer was killed, like I've been, uh, more relaxed. I've approached the timber physically and mentally a different way. And I'm on like a hot streak. So yeah, you are, I don't know, like, I don't know if like it's just taking a step back from it and like taking a different view on it. I don't know if things are just starting to click more. I don't get it, man, but it's really weird how things are just clicking and it's making more sense. Does that make sense? Yep. That's right. I, um, I don't know. I, uh, yeah, I agree. I, it's, it's, I don't know. You're not putting near as much pressure on yourself and it's just more relaxing and uh, yeah, I know exactly what you're saying. Um, do you, do you th- I'm sorry, go ahead. Well, I was just going to say, I mean, I, there for a while though, the pressure on yourself. And then if you're part of a team or you're trying to be, you know, like for working class, I mean, we're all a big group and these guys are killers and they're knocking down deer. I, I mean, shit, dude, it was, uh, 2016. I Austin filmed me shoot, um, the flyer two buck, uh, for respect the game. And, we we killed that deer that night and it was uh until 2020 i i mean it was 17 18 19 i passed some really good deer but they were all really young and mm-hmm. i i could tell they were just going to be megas and but i was i i had to be willing to go empty-handed uh the opportunities that were there weren't going to be satisfying to i don't want to take that animal because i know what's going to happen right it's right. just plunking plunking the arrow and then he hits the ground ground shrinkage i'm mad at myself he could have went two more years yep. you know it's that's just all on me but to to uh to have it happen 2020 was my best year ever in the timber uh south dakota mule deer and then shot a seven-year-old whitetail i'd had pictures of for years and then four days later ended up going out and shooting my third 200 so that uh that was my best and then i felt like okay i still got it it's been yeah yeah <laughs> since 16 i haven't killed shit and now okay i can still kill deer <laughs> i promise you this will be the last time that i interrupt this interview i i, I apologize but i gotta do it guys go to vectorcustomshop.com check out these arrows if you guys want new arrows i've got a code for you now write it down, fall 10. So at checkout, type in fall 10 to save money on your new arrow. So go check them out again, vectorcustomshop.com. How did you feel from 16 to 20? Like, did you, like personally, like down oh, deep in your man. stomach, like how did Just, you feel? This beating on myself, like, man, what is the deal? I used to be, I used to be cool. I used to be a deer hunter and now I'm just, <laughs> now I'm just out there decking around passing deer and then you come back and it's like what'd you kill this year oh you didn't kill anything this year no but you should have seen the ones i was passing you know right it's nobody gets it and then fine you know just uh, you can't say you get tired of saying that yeah but i passed some good ones yeah Yeah, everybody says that (laughs) yeah i know and and i've you know this is i've had discussions with kurt about this and like you know validating yourself and for yourself and also validating like your knowledge on hunting. And now I, I don't, I don't claim ever to be more knowledgeable than in the next guy at hunting, but I do like killing deer. Uh, but I can tell you my, my Ross Biggert slump is going to be coming. Like I just, I've been doing so well for the last five years that like my four year hiatus or whatever is coming. It's going to happen. It's hunting, you know? Yep. Um, doesn't it doesn't make you any of a less of a hunter or me or the next guy any less of a hunter it just happens like one thing or another leads to something and you know like you said you could have killed the first 120 that came by you you know i i could kill the first you know 100 inch buck that come by me too like here in michigan like that's kind of the equivalent i think to where you're at nothing and i and we don't have i'm sure we're on the same page here i have nothing wrong with anybody shooting 120 inch deer or 125 because i was at that point and i happened to be that i was 16 15 
years old and started shooting little, you know, basket racks and I just kind of yeah. worked my way up. So it's like, but I can see a 35 year old man go out there and shoot a, you know, his first deer with a bow and it's a, you know, 110 inch eight point and he's pumped. And that that's exciting. I, yep. I love that. I've just, I've just made it a point for myself that I want to kill a mature whitetail for sure. That's number one. Yep. So has to be mature and the score that's, that's cherry on top. Yep. For so. sure. I agree a hundred percent. So, you know, you've accomplished a lot of things as far as hunting goes and whitetails and stuff like that. What's your next goal? Like, what's your next, do you have a goal? Like, what are you going to challenge yourself with next? Uh, I'm torn between elk or caribou, but I, I've, I've been fortunate enough to kill two uh, black bears up in uh, Canada. And then I went to Alaska and killed a moose uh, last fall. I mean, I'd love to do that moose trip again, but realistically uh, i tried to go into it with a mindset of one and done it's just a big it's just a great big trip to take yeah with i mean especially with uh three kids and a wife and a business at home it's just being gone for that for two weeks is pretty rough yep so uh no i mean i'd love to go up and, and kill a caribou or or a big elk that's for sure on my list yeah, caribou is high on my list too. I don't know why, man. Like, there's the tundra caribou when you see those big herds come through is like, you know, you see like the drone footage on TV and stuff. I'm like, that is the coolest thing ever. Yeah, that's I would, right. I would love to see I'm, a migration like that. I don't. I want to be half-ass realistic here, but I know they're out there. So uh, I don't care, hardhorn or velvet, a 200 inch muley would be up there on my list oh you've killed some good meal deer though too uh just the one man 157 me and kurt's deer both went about same exact score oh, okay so, i thought you killed a couple i mean of them. no i killed a whitetail out there uh a nice 10 pointer but nope just the one muley and he's i wouldn't trade him for nothing that was a awesome hunt and uh super super fun but i would love to go like canada and kill a big velvet or Hardhorn mule deer, 200. Oh, yeah. yeah. So. I agree, man. What was it? I, I got a question for you. What was it like your second? What, how old were you when you killed your second 200? Oh, it was 2012. How many? What's that? 10 years ago? Showtime? Uh, that was Showtime? 23. Yeah, I would have been 23. Okay. So then you so you spaced, you killed one. Jesus, you killed one at 18, then 23. So then your third yeah. one was in 20. How old were you in, yeah. then? 32 jeez i mean <laughs> nine years later, I, I killed so yeah it was 2012 and then it's actually really cool because i've got the three of them so this 2016 buck that austin filmed me shoot uh for respect the game he's hanging on the wall uh nice pet wall pedestal mount and then showtime is bedded down up on a shelf up above him uh off to the side and he's got he's got the same what i'm getting at is he's got the same genetics and you can see Showtime was 2012, Flyer 2 was 2016, and then the 202 was 2020. So they're all four years apart. So you can see, I, I like to say they're all either, you know, cousins or yep. dads and sons and all that. But it's And I killed them all within uh, half a mile. Oh, really? Three quarters of a mile of each other, yeah. So they weren't on the same farm, but relatively close relatively close somewhere you. in the state of massachusetts yes exactly the <laughs> upper northeast right <laughs> yeah i get that well, anyway uh, i don't know man we're coming up on time here i got a couple of rapid fire questions for you if you're Go good with it. that what is your favorite day to hunt if you had one day november 7th that's when I killed my deer in Iowa. <laughs> right on. <laughs> November 7th. I love that day as well. But yeah, I agree yep. with you there. Um, if you had to pick, if okay, so anybody out there listening, if anybody was to ask you, okay, what would be the seven days you would take your rutcation and that's the only time you could hunt, when would those seven days be? You can break them up however if you want also, or if you want to lump them in a week, you can do that. Uh, I... It'd take too much time to break them up for you, but I, well, shit, I'll just do that. Uh, I would take November, um, 6th through the 8th or 6th through the 9th. 
I would take uh, November 30th, and then I would take December 30th. Yeah, because you're a late season guy too. Whatever those days are. I mean, I've I've had a lot of really, really good encounters. October 30th seems to be a good day too. Never Halloween. Everybody says Halloween's great. I've never had success then. But October 30th, I've had lots of great big deer encounters and killed two of October 30th. I got you. Mine here in Michigan, there's a couple dates I have, but like November 2nd through the 4th has been really good for me. Um, yeah. and then obviously I think the, I think the, uh, standard a- answer is November 7th, like somewhere, like everybody says that, but I think Jake Hofer from Exodus told me one time he did some research and the most, uh, the more Boone and Crockett deer, the day that the most Boone and Crockett deer were killed on was November 7th. Did you know that? I didn't know that, but I've had a hell of a lot every, so when I'm not killing on November 7th, all my trail cameras are hitting. Mm-hmm. With yes. the big boys on them. So. Yep. Yep. And then uh, that October twenty fifth to the twenty seventh or eighth time frame right there is really good for me. I love that time. Probably my favorite time yep. to be honest with you. Yep. But yep. Um, yeah. So next one, and I think we kind of covered this a little bit. But what is what is your bucket list animal? Yeah. Uh, number one, I'd have to say a two hundred inch muley. Um, the moose was up there caribou and elk are up there i mean they're i've got a checklist but um no i i think that 200 inch muley would be number one and then after that i could start chiseling down through the list but yeah uh anyway yep no it makes sense because you killed a good moose last year and that one's up on a lot of people's list as well so you already knocked that one off the list Oh, I'd recommend anybody do that trip just once. You, you got to do it. It's just unbelievable how awesome it is up there. Yep. So yep, for sure. Last one. So, what is your favorite state to hunt? Um, and if you haven't hunted it, which one would you want to go to for whitetails? Okay. Well, gotta say, uh, I'm Massachusetts for sure. <laughs> yeah, I'm gonna stick with Massachusetts. <laughs> everybody should hunt that state. Um, no, I'd say just the home farm in Illinois. I mean, that's number one. I've and then actually, if I was going to have to go anywhere else, Kansas or Iowa would be a toss-up. Mm-hmm. Have you hunted? Have you big, hunted any of those states? I'm not. Nope, neither one. But just seeing all the kills that come out of both states, I think Kansas produces some megas, and I think Iowa's got obviously got some crazy big deer. So, yeah. Um, yeah. I'd say those two. Good deal, man. That's all I had for you, dude. I appreciate you coming on and doing this. Hey, well, I'm glad we finally made it happen. So I appreciate you having me, and it's been fun. Yeah, should we reschedule for another one, like on like a September date right now, and just just say we're doing it no matter what? <laughs> yeah. What year were you thinking? <laughs> yeah. 2028. <laughs> Let's do it. Right. Uh, no, dude, that sounds good. We ought to do that. Yeah, so. for sure. Well, thank you very much, man, and I uh, greatly appreciate it. Yep. We'll talk to you later. All right, there you have it, Ross. Thank you very much, man, for coming on. We're definitely going to do that again. Uh, we're definitely not going to wait as long as we did to, to get our schedules to line up. We just got to do it. So thank you again, man. Also, everybody, go to iTunes, leave a five-star rating, leave a written review. Also, tell a friend, have them tell a friend. Uh, that'd be greatly appreciated. Also, you can leave a rating on Spotify now. So if you listen on Spotify, go leave a five-star rating there as well. So thank you guys very much. Have a great weekend, and uh, we'll be right here next week on The Fall Podcast.